worshiping. I don't know who it was, but one of these kids started singing hallelujah. And, and I started to realize, like, that's what this is all about, right? That's what this is all about. That's why we come together. That's why we sing. That's why we shout. Because, guys, we are the example for the next generation coming up. Amen? And so when I'm worshiping God and I'm praising God and my son's just looking at me like, he doesn't know what's going on yet, but you know what I'm doing? I'm being an example to what it looks like to praise God. Amen? And some of you were singing, sing like never before. Some of you were singing like never before. I don't know if you've been here for the last 10 years, but there was something that happened this morning that was a little bit different. <laughs> Somebody was lifting their voice in a new way. Somebody was praising God in a new way. Somebody was worshiping God in a new way. And I just felt the Spirit of God just begin to sweep into this place and do a new work in our hearts as we began to lift our voice. You know, there's always that argument, well, brother, it's not about volume. I, I, as, we were, as we were shouting, this is what the Holy Spirit said to me, tell that to the walls of Jericho. Tell that to the walls of Jericho. Well, it's not about volume, brother. It's not about how loud you praise or how much you worship. Tell that to the walls of Jericho. And sometimes, like Kelly was saying, we need to praise not based on our own comfort level. We need to praise because something's about to break in this room and healings begin to begin to flow, not even to this place, but to people that need a touch from us. And so we need to worship the way that we think that we would want people worshiping for us if we were lying in a hospital bed. And we need to pray for people the way that we would want people praying for us if we were lying in a hospital bed. Amen? And some of that began to roar out of this place today. There was like this roar on the inside of this church today. And I just want to encourage us that that is the spirit of God. The Lion of Judah roars over his people. Over and over again in the Psalms, God says, shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. Well, that's not my personality. Then why did God say it over a hundred times? Do you think God knows you better than you know you? And maybe there's something on the inside of your shout that isn't on the inside of your worship. Uh, excuse me, your, your whisper. Maybe there's something on the inside of your shout that isn't on the inside of your whisper. And God knows that, which is why he commands us over and over and over again, shout to the Lord. I'm telling you, when we began to lift our voice and when we began to shout, things began to break in the spirit. Things began to happen that were not happening previously. I'm telling you. It's not about the volume. Tell that to the walls of Jericho. When the people lifted up a shout, the walls came down. And I'm not saying it's for every situation. I'm not saying it's for every season. I'm not saying you should just go around shouting all the time, although I do. I'm just saying that there are moments when God is calling his people to begin to lift up a cry of worship. And I felt us begin to respond to that invitation today. And I felt the spirit of God begin to do a work in our hearts. Amen. I heard this little one. I'm, I'm praying, God, let these kids teach us what worship looks like. I'm praying, God, let these kids teach us what real praise looks like. I'm praying, God, let these kids begin to teach us what it looks like to believe that the impossible is not impossible when you have faith in an almighty God. Last month, we began to start a series called Giants, and we talked about Joshua and how God commissioned him to go and take possession of the land of Israel that God had promised his people. And he began to talk to Joshua in, in Joshua chapter 1, and he began to tell him all these things that we read last month. Every place the sole of your foot treads, that land I have given you. He says, no man shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. He says, meditate on the book of the law day and night, for then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. And over and over again, he tells Joshua this one thing. Do you guys remember what it is? Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong 
and courageous. Okay, we get it, God. Why, why do you keep repeating yourself, right? right? And so in order to understand why Joshua needed strength and courage to go in and take something that God was giving him, we had to go back 40 years in time and look at the moment in Joshua's life when he needed strength and courage to agree with the word of God and speak the report of God in the face of an entire nation of unbelief. This is coming back to you guys. Ten spies, well, 12 go into the land, spy out the land. Well, it's just like God said, however, <laughs> that's never a good start. Well, it's just like God said, but <laughs> the land is a land that devours its inhabitants. The people are giants. They are descendants of the Nephilim. They're huge. They're enormous. We seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we were to them. We seemed in our own eyes like grasshoppers, and so we were in theirs. The ten spies give that report, but Joshua and Caleb stand up, and they say, no, 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 no. They're in the assembly of people speaking to the entire nation of Israel, and they're saying, no, let us go up at once and occupy it, for surely we are well able to overcome. Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome. And because of their response to the situation, they were the only two that were permitted to go in and possess the land that God had promised. So this is kind of a really, really important thought. Because how many of you, show of hands, how many of you want to spend the rest of your lives wandering around in a wilderness of meaninglessness? Huh? How many of you just want to keep eating day after day the same tasteless, flavorless bread that falls from the sky? It's good for a little bit, but it gets old. All right, show of hands. How many of you want to spend the rest of your lives in a land that flows with milk and honey walking in the promises that God has for you. Sounds better, right? Like on a scale of one to 10, that's about a 10. The other one's about a zero. So this is, this is really important. And this is the thought that we, we, we talked about last month. What you say about yourself matters. We seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. This is an incredibly telling statement that the ten spies make. We seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. So I don't know about you guys, but I hear voices in my head. Dennis is like, that explains a lot, Pastor Dennis. <laughs> Yep, somebody's like, all right, honey, get the kids. we got to get out of here. So I hear voices in my head. I've got about three that I can count in any given situation. I've got the, the, the word of God speaking through the spirit of God. What I should be viewing in a situation, it always comes through the lens of faith. It always comes through the lens of hope. It always comes through the lens of grace and trust and peace and joy. I've got another voice that's polar opposite. Yeah, I don't know if it's the actual devil. I don't know if it's one of his demons. I don't know what it is, it's, but the Bible calls the, 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 that he's the accuser of the brethren. And this voice speaks the exact opposite. It speaks uh, hopelessness, unbelief, despair, depression, never going to get better, probably just curl up in a ball and die. And then I've got a third voice, that's my own voice, my own head. Whew, we don't even want to go there. 
And you say, well, you know, Cam, in the light of, of God, God's voice and, and, the, and the accusation and the accuser's voice or the enemy or the devil or however you want to word it, in light of those two, your, your voice really, I mean, it can't be that important. But see, see, my voice is the only one that can take what's in here and bring it out here. My voice through these things called vocal cords that are vibrating right now if I put my, my hand on my throat is the only thing that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks and so so my voice is actually incredibly important because I have to make the decision what voice am I going to begin to echo whose report am I going to begin to speak out whose voice am I going to choose to declare for my life so my voice is incredibly important because whatever voice that I agree with, I actually empower in my life. That's why James says that the tongue is like a rudder. The tongue is like a rudder. You think of a rudder in a boat. It's very small. It's not a big part of the boat. But whichever way that the tongue turns, it directs the entire course of that boat. And so our tongue is like a rudder. And so whatever, what, whatever is coming out of our mouth, we're actually beginning to direct the course of our lives. And there's no more telling description and example of this that when you look at the story that we talked about last month, and you look at the example of the ten spies that out of their mouth, they spoke a bad report, they spent the rest of their lives in a wilderness and died there, then the two spies who spoke a good report and spend the rest of their lives possessing that which God had promised them. Are you hearing me today? So what you say about yourself matters. Because what you say about yourself is an indicator of the voice that you're agreeing with. The report that you're echoing. And what you say about yourself is an indicator of where your identity is found. The ten spies that identified themselves as grasshoppers, agreed with the voice of the giant, and therefore saw the giant in their lives as impossibilities. The two spies who identified themselves as children of God, agreed with the report of God, and therefore saw the giants in their lives as opportunities. Are you, did you hear that? Okay, nobody nodded. So I'm going to repeat it. The ten spies that identified themselves as grasshoppers agreed with the voice of the enemy and therefore saw the giants in their lives as impossibilities. The two spies who identified themselves as children of God agreed with the report of God and therefore saw the giants in their lives as opportunities. There's a big difference between an impossibility and an opportunity, and it all has to do with what report you're choosing to speak out over your own life. And so I want to take it a step further today, and I want to go a little bit deeper in this thought today and tell you this, what you say about yourself is actually directly connected to who you're spending your time with. Who you're spending your time with. And so I want to go back deeper into the life of Joshua, which is why if you, if you have your Bible, you're open to Exodus 24, 12. I want to go deeper into the life of Joshua and pull out a few things that I believe are very, very important for us to understand about his life. Exodus 24, 12. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua. So catch that. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua. 
And Moses went up into the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Every single place that you hear the word Moses, it could be Moses and Joshua. Joshua was with Moses on the mountain. He went up with Moses into the cloud. He went up with Moses into the glory where God rested on the mountain. Let's read another story in Exodus 33, verse 7. Another story about the life of Joshua. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the uh, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak to Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Mo, listen, when Moses turned again to the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So Moses pitches the tent of meeting. It is outside the camp. Anytime he would want to talk with God, Moses would go out to that tent. They would enter into the tent. The cloud would descend. The nation would gather. They would worship God. And when everything was said and done, when everyone had left and gone to do their own thing, when Moses was back doing whatever he was doing and the people of God were back doing whatever they were doing, Joshua stayed in the tent. Joshua stayed in the glory. Joshua stayed in the presence of God. The Bible doesn't talk a whole lot about Joshua until we get to the book of Joshua. But the few places that he is mentioned, I believe, are incredibly important. The first thing we learn is that when Moses went up on the mountain, Joshua went with him. When Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments, Joshua went with him. Joshua was with Moses on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. He went into the cloud of God's glory that covered the mountain. When the Bible says the glory of the Lord covered the mountain, it uses a word in Hebrew called Shekinah. We sing a song that says, Shekinah glory come down, Shekinah glory come down, Shekinah glory come down. Everybody, anybody ever wonder, like, what is that all about? Like, I have no idea what that means, but I like the word Shekinah because it sounds cool. Shekinah, right? <laughs> what does that word mean? I don't know, but we're singing it. Praise God, right? The Shekinah glory of God is the tangible manifest presence of God in the here and now. And so we know that theologically that God is omnipresent, that he is in all places at all times, that he is everywhere. But there are moments in time when God is not theologically omnipresent. There are moments in time when God is right here. God is right now. I believe we experienced one of those moments this morning when the, when, when the glory of God began to fill this place as we were worshiping him and praising his name. And so one of my professors at school called this the present presence of God. The present presence of God. Not the omnipresence, not the theological understanding that God is everywhere and in all things. When God is right here, he's right now. Like you feel like you could just reach out and hold his hand, touch him. He's so close, he's near. Joshua spent 40 days in that cloud. 
He spent 40 days in that level of glory and that level of presence where God was so thick that it literally affected the atmosphere on the mountain. The Bible says that the glory of God had the appearance of a devouring fire upon the mountain. God was there. And Joshua was right there with him. And he was in that presence and he was in that glory and he was in that, that Shekinah, that present presence of God. And so the first thing that we learn about Joshua is that he went up with Moses on the mountain and dwelt there for 40 days and 40 nights in the glory of God. And the next thing that we learn about Joshua is that when Moses would go to the tent of meeting and speak to God face to face, the Bible says face to face face as a man speaks with a friend as a man speaks with a friend Moses would speak there there was a glory that came down there was like a cloud and a pillar of fire the entire nation would come out of their tents and they would worship God because they were staying at this fire and then when everybody had left when everybody had gone their own way we learned that Joshua stayed in the tent Joshua stayed where the presence of God was. Joshua lingered in the glory long after everybody else had gone and left to their daily routines. Joshua stayed. And this is really fascinating to me because we barely even hear his name until the book of Joshua. It doesn't say God spoke to Joshua face to face. God didn't give Joshua the Ten Commandments to come down and give to the people. But there was something on the inside of his heart that said, if God is here, then I want to be here too. There was something on the inside of his life that said, I don't need a spotlight. I don't need a name for myself. I don't need to be recognized by the people. I just want to sit in the glory. I just want to be in the glory of God. I just want to be in the presence of God. I just want to feel his cloud all around me. I just want to sit in his fire and just soak in his presence for as long as I can until I have to go do something else with my life. I'm okay to just sit at his feet. I'm okay to just dwell in his presence. I'm getting fired up. As a young man, the Bible, I like that it points out too that he was a young man when he was having these encounters. I believe that as a young man, his life was being transformed by the time that he spent in the manifest, tangible presence of God. I believe that his identity was being formed by the hours that he spent listening to the word of God thunder from the mountain of fire straight into his heart. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? When everybody else had left the tent, he said, you know what? I just want to spend a little bit more time in the glory. I just want to spend a little bit more time in the fire. I just want to spend a little bit more time in this cloud. So, so what's, the, what's the connection here? See, when everyone else had left the glory, Joshua stayed. And when everyone else died in the wilderness, Joshua went into the promised land. When everybody else left the glory, Joshua stayed. And when everyone else died in the wilderness, Joshua went into the promised land. Hear me today. The unusual amount of time, not, not the normal amount of time. Normal would have been, when Moses left, I'm going to leave. It was abnormal for him to stay. It was unusual for him to linger. The unusual amount of time that Joshua spent in the tangible glory of God gave him an unusual amount of faith in the face of his giant. The glory of God gives us an appetite for the impossible. The glory of God gives us an appetite for the impossible. Because Joshua spent time in the glory of God, 
His identity was formed by listening to the one in which he had spent his time with. Because Joshua spent time in the glory of God, his identity was formed by listening to the one in whom he spent his time with. And so when he went into the promised land and he saw the giants, he did not see his own failings. He didn't see his own insecurities. He didn't see his own weakness. He didn't even see, possibly he didn't even see his own personality because we don't even know what kind of personality he, he, he had. All he saw was the fact that he had spent time in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords' presence. And then, oh, wait, wait, oh, well, this giant, what are we going to do? Oh, no, I'm just a grasshopper. I got to run. I'm never going to make it. No, no, no. When Joshua saw the grasshopper, all he saw was this must be another opportunity for God to manifest his glory in my life. This must be another opportunity for God's presence to bring about another victory in my life. Come on. This must be another time when I get to see God triumph. This must be another moment when I get to see the cloud come down and the glory cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. This, this must be another moment where I can be expecting God to move, where I can be in faith that God is going to do something, that I can be encouraged and, and, and not, not fearful, not timid, not afraid, but bold and courageous, but strong and courageous because God is about to move again because I've been spending time on his mountain and I'm telling you, you can't come down off the mountain of God's glory with doubt in here. You can't get in his fire and leave wondering if he's real. And anybody who's spent a minute in his fire knows exactly what I'm talking about. You can't spend 10 seconds in the tangible glory of God and wonder if he's got a good plan for your life. I'm telling you, 10 seconds of God's presence and all of a sudden your entire life is changed forever. The course of your destiny is rocked to the core. He doesn't need 15 hours of therapy. He needs 10 seconds in his glory. Jesus came down off the mountain after having a conversation with Moses. And there was a son who was lying there that, was, that had seizures. And he was sick and he was troubled. And Jesus had spent time in the glory of God. And he was not intimidated about the situation he was about to encounter. He already had the solution before he even got there. This is why defeating Goliath, sorry, Dennis. This is why defeating Goliath seemed like an impossibility to the nation of Israel, and yet it seemed like an incredible opportunity for a 13-year-old shepherd boy. This is why... <laughs> This is why defeating Goliath seemed like an impossibility to an entire nation, yet it seemed like a great opportunity for a 13-year-old shepherd boy. Because while the rest of the nation was off doing whatever they were doing, David was out in the field. David was out in the field, and he had a harp, and he had a song, and he had his father's sheep, and he was looking after that which his dad had entrusted to him, and he was singing praise to God, and the glory of God was surrounding his life, and he was spending time in the presence of God. Come on, the anointing oil was poured over his head. When David would play his harp, demons would flee. And so when he showed up to the battle and when he showed up to the struggle and everybody else was cowering in fear, this 13-year-old kid is saying, where, where can I, what is the reward? What do I get when I kill this thing? Huh? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That report only comes from, a, from the glory. That report only comes from the presence. It doesn't come from the facts. <laughs> You're 13, he's 7 feet 6, right? It doesn't come from staring your problem for 15 hours. Oh my gosh, i got to figure out how to solve this. Come on. 
It comes when you get in the glory and when you get in the fire and when you leave that place, you begin to reflect that glory. You begin to reflect that fire and all of a sudden demons actually begin to listen to what you're saying because you're echoing not your own words, but you're echoing the report of God. How did we start this? What was David's cry? What was the cry in his heart? One thing have I desired. That will I seek after. That I might dwell, dwell. The glory of God dwelt on the mountain. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Not that I might casually walk in 15 minutes late. I'm going to get on somebody today. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That to, to, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. There was this heart inside of David to the point that he actually erected what we know as the tabernacle of David where 24-7 worship and praise went up to God. David spent time in the presence of God. And so when he came face to face with the giant that was in front of him, he went and said, okay, this is just going to be like the lion. This is just going to be like the bear. Because one thing have I desired, that will I seek after, that I might dwell well in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What you say about yourself matters, church. Because what you say about yourself is a reflection of where your identity is found and who you're spending your time with. And when we spend time in the glory of God, we actually begin to talk about ourselves the way that God talks about us. And we begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us. And we begin to identify not with our own failures and flaws, but with the God in whom we're spending our time with. Sociologists say that you are the culmination of the five people that you spend the most time with. Sociologists will say that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. So I had this thought the other day that I think might help us. You are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. If three out of those five are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then God has the majority vote in your life. You hear what I just said? You are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. If three out of those five people are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then God has the majority vote in your life. So that when you find yourself face to face with a giant that is in front of you, you are not saying, oh no, I'm just a little grasshopper, I'm never going to make it, I don't have what it takes. When you come face to face with the giant, you are going to hear the father shouting, go for it, son, this is what I've created you for. You're going to hear the son saying, this is why I died on the cross, so that you might have life and life more abundantly. And you're going to hear the spirit saying, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit says the Lord. You're the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. If three out of those five are Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, then God is the majority vote of your, in your life. If three out of those five are CNN, ABC, and Fox News, don't be surprised when you have zero faith for your life or this nation to be changed. 
Let me get on my, let me get on myself, okay? Because that hurts somebody. If three out of those five are, are Netflix, Facebook, and YouTube, then don't be surprised when your life is filled with anxiety and fear over what's going to happen next. But if you and I are spending time in the glory of God, and guys, I'm not talking about like the, the so we do this all the time, you know, this is like little like uh, 15 minute like, oh, I got to run, I got to go, I got to go, I just got to read my devotional. By the time you get done, you don't even know if you spent time with God. Because we spend so much time trying to do things according to our own schedule that we forget that it's actually just about being with him. We forget that it's actually just about being in his presence. That's what changes us, guys. That's what changes us. I'm talking about setting aside time in our lives to just be in his presence. Not because we, we need to get something done or figure something out or go through this list of prayer requests. Just because we just want to be with Jesus. And when we do that, I'm telling you, God actually begins to answer the prayers that we didn't even pray for. <laughs> It's funny how this works. When you just spend time with God, when you just go up on the mountain, things begin to change. Things begin to shift and answers begin to come into your life. This is the way that it works. You begin to leave from that place with faith and peace in your heart. Can we um, have the musicians or just, just the musicians who are going to be singing the song today come up? If you and I are spending time in the glory of God, spending time in the presence of God, spending time interacting with God in our daily lives, then we are actually going to begin to reflect that glory and the identity of Christ to the world. If you guys just want to stand up on your feet today. Is it the soundboard? Kelly's got it. Kelly's got it done. God's good. Man. Feel his presence today. Did you feel his presence today as we were worshiping? You feel his glory in the, in the house today. I hope that the Lord is continuing to speak to us today. Let us go up at once, for we are surely able to overtake them. Let us go up at once, for we are surely able to overtake them. Let us go up at once, for we are surely able to overtake them. I believe that we, as a nation and as a church, are on the edge of one of the greatest evangelism movements that have ever swept our country before. This is a report of God. This isn't the report of what you're going to hear on the news. This is what God is saying. God is saying, I am patient, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. I believe that we are on the edge of one of the greatest evangelism movements that have ever swept our country before. And it's not going to be led by a superstar preacher or a huge worship, whatever. You know what it's going to be led by? It's going to be led by the people of God who have gone up into the mountain of God and came down and began to reflect that glory in the earth. It's going to be led by the everyday people of God, not the rock stars, not the not even just the ones that are in ministry. It's going to be led by the everyday people of God who have said, I want to spend time in the presence of God. I want to spend time in the glory of God. I don't care if I'm the only one doing it. I just want to stay in the presence of God. And we're going to begin to reflect that glory out into the world around us. Or begin to reflect that presence into the world around us. 
Listen to this thought, okay? We've been talking about evangelism for the last two weeks. Moses said, God, show me your glory. Talking about glory today. God, show me your glory. God, show me your glory. Paul wrote in Romans that it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. All right? I want you to track with me right here. God, show me your glory. God, show me your glory. God, show me your glory. And and Paul says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. This is what God says to Moses. He said, I will let all of my goodness pass before you. I will let all of my goodness pass before you. I thought you were going to let your glory pass before me. You know, know, I am Moses. But you can't have my glory without my goodness. And listen to me, church. You can't have his goodness without his glory. You can't have his goodness without his tangible, manifest presence in the earth. This is why people who have grown up in church their entire lives can remember the moment that they were saved. Because they may have heard 1,700 times that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever should believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. But there was a moment. There was a moment when God wasn't just omnipresent. There was a moment when God just wasn't theoretically everywhere. There was a moment when God is right here, right now. And I can see His goodness. And I can taste His goodness. And I can know that He has a good plan for my life. And I can know that He has promises for my life. And what does it do? It leads men to repentance. It leads us to change the way that we think about God. It leads us. I thought He was out to get me. I thought He he was slamming the gavel down on me. I thought he had a list of things that he wanted me to do and if I didn't do it just the way he said I would have messed it up and I would have missed the mark but now 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 that I've tasted him I have no doubt in my mind that he is a father who is waiting at the window waiting for me to make that decision to come on home son come on home because I've been waiting I've been longing for the day that you would walk down that road in your old hometown and step right back into my arms. Listen to me. God isn't out to judge you. God isn't out to hurt you. God has a ring and a robe prepared for you when you make the decision that I'm going to not let God be a theory and I'm not going to let God be something that other people experience. I'm going to step into the glory. I'm going to climb up on the mountain and I'm going to see for myself that He's good. I'm tired of watching other people step into the glory. I'm tired of being a spectator in the house of God. I'm tired of saying, well, he's a good worshiper. Well, she's a good worshiper. He's a good preacher. I want to be a worshiper. I want to step into that glory. I want to experience that for myself. I want to, I want to dwell in the fire. I want to be in the fire. I want to be in the glory of God. Come on. This is what God's calling us to. You think you're going to change the world because you memorize the arguments? You think we're going to change the world because we know creationism versus evolutionism? Can I give you a secret? Your argument ain't going to change a thing. But God's presence will every time. I'm not saying you shouldn't know the argument. Know the argument feel good about it, whatever, it still isn't going to change hearts. It's only God's presence. It's only God's fire. It's only God's presence and it's only God's fire. I'm just trying to stir us up today. I'm trying to stir us up today because as we were worshiping, man, my heart was exploding. As Sammy was shouting and we began to lift up that shout, my heart began to explode for this world that needs Jesus. My heart began to explode for these sons and daughters that are walking on the earth that so desperately need a touch from heaven. And you and I are called to be that, that, uh, how do I say this? You and I are called to be that ambassador. You and I are called to be that uh, representation. You and I are called to reflect that glory. 
Paul said when, when Moses went up on the glory and he came down, remember? Guys, he, used to, he reflected the glory of God, but it faded and it went away. Paul said the glory that you have doesn't fade, doesn't go away. You know what happens? It goes from glory and then it goes to another level of glory and then it goes to another level of glory and then it goes to another level of glory. I feel God in here today, man. I feel the Lord in here today. What do I do? Start climbing. What do I do? Start climbing. What do I do? Start climbing. Start climbing. Start getting into His presence. Start seeking Him. I love that we come together as a church family. I love that we come together to gather on Sunday mornings. But I'm telling you, God is inviting you to begin to climb in your living room. God is beginning to invite you to begin to climb in your, in your office space. God is beginning to invite you to begin to climb where, where, where in your car as you're driving down the road and you have those songs in your heart. God is, is inviting you to climb when you're, when you're, when you're doing your dishes and when you're, and when you're doing your business and when you're, and when you're uh, being a mom and when you're being a dad. You know what you can do? You can, you can pray. You can pray, you can pray in English, you can pray in the Spirit, and you can seek God in those moments, in the everyday times in your life. Just begin to climb, just begin to get higher, just begin to say, Lord, I'm, I, what do we sing? Oh, we sing the song. I could just sit, I could just stay here forever, but you have called me higher. I could just sit, I could just stay here forever, but you have called me higher. But you have called me higher. You have called me deeper. So I'll go where you will lead me. God is calling us higher today. He's calling us deeper today. I'm telling you, church, there are unusually sized giants in our culture. There are unusually sized giants in our culture that are going to require us to have an unusual amount of time spent in God's glory. It's going to require of us to have an unusual amount of faith, an unusual amount of peace, an unusual amount of the anointing of God, an unusual amount of desire for the lost. Because if not, then we'll just lock ourselves in our church and just continue to have church amongst ourselves. But there's this thing on the inside of God that says, I'm not willing that one should perish. And I'm just looking for the people of God to get hungry enough. I'm just looking for the people of God to get a desire in their hearts to say, God, I want you. Even if everybody else leaves, I want to stay. Even if everybody else goes, I want to linger. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to sing a song here today to close. And it's a song about identity. It's a song about declaration. It's a song where we say, I am who you say I am. Because it starts with what you're saying about yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Hard to change your neighbor when you don't even love yourself. It starts with what you're saying about yourself. What you're saying about yourself is a reflection of who you're spending your time with. It's a reflection of your identity. And so we need a grounded, rooted identity in Christ. Amen? And I know this is going to be really inconvenient, but if someone could go and get the kids, if someone could go and get the kids from, work, from down in the children's church, because I'd like to sing this song with them, in, with them present. There's nothing more important in my heart than making sure that my son is firmly rooted in his identity in Christ. Come on. There's nothing more desirous in my heart than making sure that the next generation that is rising up is firmly rooted in their identity in Christ. Because listen to me, guys. Listen to me. I know we're, we're, I know I'm just, some of you are like, just rambling. I'm, I promise you. I'm just, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm stirred today. Our kids are listening. And there's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of voices in our culture. There's a lot of voices in our world. And you know what? You know what we're called to do, guys? We're called to be the voice that they listen to. We're called to be the voice that declares over them their identity. (laughs) So here's what we're going to do, church. 
Guys, as a family, I just want us, if you have someone next to you, if you would just, just hold their hand, just begin to just lock arms with the person next to you. If you're sitting next to your sons and daughters, then just begin to lock arms with your sons and daughters. We're going to sing this over our families. We're going to sing this over our church. We're going to sing this over our, 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 our region. And guys, we're going to sing this over our nation. And maybe we'll even sing it over the world if we feel really encouraged. <laughs> you realize that you guys are world changers, right? Huh? You, let me look at you guys. Look at the Katie, Maggie, Evan, Will, Michael. Where's Theo? I can't see him. You realize you guys are world changers, right? You realize you guys are designed to change the world with the power of the gospel. This is God's calling. The fire and the light of God that's on the inside of you. When you guys were beginning to sing and, and shout today, you know what? That was God on the inside of you. You guys are called to change the world. <laughs> you guys over there in the back, you kids, I don't know you, but you know what? You guys are called to change the world. You guys are world changers. I know that sounds silly, but I'm telling you, God has a great plan for your life. God has a great purpose for your life. And I'm sorry to single you out. I know you're shy, but I'm telling you, God loves you guys, and he has an amazing plan for your life. Amen? Listen to me, church family. You guys are world changers. This is your identity in Christ. You are ambassadors of the one in whom they said, who are they that they're turning the world upside down? This is our identity. This is our identity in Christ. And when we sing these songs, this is a song today about identity. And there's nothing that I long for more than to see the next generation growing up knowing who they are. Knowing that they are who God says they are. Knowing that God's voice has the ultimate voice in their lives. That they are children of the Most High God. That God is a loving Father. That He has awesome and amazing plans for their lives. That God is not angry at them and He's not judging them. But He is so happy that they have chosen to be in the house of God with their mom and dad today. That God, that God is just so pleased with them. That He has a big smile on His face every time He encounters the, a child of God. And I'm telling you, even, even if you have gray hair in here today, God is happy that you're here. God is happy with you today. God is not mad at you today. God has a good plan for you today. And your identity is found in Jesus. So we're going to sing this song today. And I know this is the last time I'm going to say we're going to sing this song. We're actually going to sing it this time. Amen? All right, I'm going to sing it with you guys. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like more information, feel free to visit us on Facebook at Living Water Fellowship or come in person Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Directions are on our website at livingwatermain.com. God bless.